Hello everyone, Pastor Cooper here, and welcome to The Midweek, uh, one of CFC's kind of podcast episode stylings in our CFC podcast channel. Um, This is simply just an opportunity for myself, Pastor Mark, and other guests to talk more um, from our Sunday messages or from other cultural moments that are happening, and to do so from a biblical perspective. Well, right now, um, we just started a summer series in the month of June, the rest of summer, in the book of Romans. And so we're going to be doing a lot of just unpacking more of what Paul is saying to the church in Rome and just some of the deep theological things that are there. So throughout this summer, we're going to be talking more and more about the book of Romans, unpacking some of those real deep theological nuggets that are there. And so we are excited about this. Uh, We might have some other little kind of episodes here and there throughout the summer. But I want to also say we have scripture journals and other journaling methods um, for you to use just to help dive into the book of Romans during this series. We're calling it The Simple Gospel. That's the book of Romans, The Simple Gospel, and how Paul really gives that theme throughout his entire letter. So, um, yeah, so coming up, here is this week's episode. All right, everyone. Well, again, thanks for listening and joining in on the on the midweek podcast. So um, this is the hottest week of the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> In, in the greater inland northwest. We're sitting here in our 222 house. It's the little like rental house that we have next to the church. There's no AC, and we don't really turn any of the utilities on much besides the power. And it's hot right now. Yeah. But you love, this is like cold for you because you're this like a Nevada right. boy. Yeah. Um, I have to and, have it below 68 I, to... To feel this comfortable. Function, yeah. This, which this, this, proves this, how spoiled we are. <laughs> this Norwegian polar bear <laughs> cannot survive yeah. when it gets above. But we're probably like in a good 85 degrees right now in this yeah. room. Yeah. So it's it's toasty. Yeah. It's, it's going to get feels, hotter. feels nice. <laughs> <laughs> I rode my bike this morning and it literally like, usually in the morning, it's kind of a cool morning breeze. This morning was not that. Yeah. It was a warm, <laughs> hot breeze. It felt like somebody's going, <sighs> Like as yeah. I was riding, like climb, oh, I'm going down a hill. I'll get a little cool off. No, it was no. like oh. a hair dryer in my face. I, I was like, oh, yeah, that's this that's is why the Lord will never call me to Phoenix. Yeah, I, t- <laughs> I talked to my dad on Father's Day. He said it was 113 in Vegas oh that day. Gosh. I was like, oh man, it's, yeah, that's where you sit inside. Yeah, it is hot, hot. But luckily, we have lakes and all sorts of stuff around yeah. our area to to cool off and go jump yeah. in. Yeah, for sure. Well, this last Sunday was a fun Sunday. Very fun. Um, Very Because fun. we got to celebrate 40 years of God's faithfulness at yes. CFC. So it was, yeah. well, today when we're recording the 28th is the official 40th. Yes, today's the official birthday. day. Yep. Um, so 40 years ago, they launched on Sunday, June, yep. 28th, June 28th in 1981. Yep. And so you had a chance on Sunday at the end of your message to give kind of a little bit of a history and mm-hmm. just the story of CFC and and you had a few people that ha- um, are still attending our church that yeah. were there from the very beginning, you know, stand up, and mm-hmm. which is cool. And one of them are my in-laws yep, and, and their kids. It was yeah. just really cool to, to see them, you know, there. And just, yeah, like just the faithfulness that they've even shown. Yeah. Um, and that has been really cool. But, um, yeah, I mean, what was kind of a, a highlight that you felt like from this last Sunday that just really kind of embodied just CFC's story? Well, a little bit of yeah. Steve Ronholt's story that we shared. And yeah, recorded, but I think for me, just really our theme, God's faithfulness, mm-hmm. you know, really shined and yeah. was really, really seen in the fact that God had a plan all along and he mm-hmm. really wanted to be faithful to the people 
in Genie and to the people that had believed in Jesus and Genie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true of every church. Yeah. Um, and when we get out of the way, <laughs> I think, you know, God can work. And I think, you know, just the whole, the whole story of what God did in the beginning and now what he's doing now is there's just such a connection of God's faithfulness mm-hmm. and God wanting to specifically use us as his people to minister to the people in Cheney and on the West Plains and beyond, yeah. and that he really does want this church to be a light. He really does want this church mm-hmm. to be welcoming and friendly and reaching out to the unbeliever, to those that are struggling and heartbroken and just uh, not yeah. not knowing the Lord and and trying to do life without him, mm-hmm. that we really are called to be that kind of church. Yeah. And that was very apparent and mm-hmm. that that's who we've been at the beginning. And I think that's who we are now, but we need to always make sure to not lose sight of that. Yeah. And um, so I think that was really good for me. And of course, just being super thankful for the people that are still here and still mm-hmm. around and, yeah. um, you know, their faithfulness is also why, why we're here, why there's still a church here. Right. You know, those, those people that have stuck around and have come back some too, mm-hmm. they're, they're the reason that we still are here yeah. and, and we see the faithfulness of relationships and discipleship mm-hmm. And just pursuing Jesus in our relationships with one another, mm-hmm. the unity of the body of Christ, yeah. even in difficult times, yeah. um, is kind of shines through. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Um, you know, as, as a worship team, we, we oh, played yeah. some throwback the tunes, throwbacks, man, which was fun, and um, just kind of hearing those songs that, like, as a kid, I remember hearing just little bits, and like then we started playing them, I was like, oh my gosh. I remember like these little tunes and they were big songs, Mm -hmm. you know, back when I was a kid and, you know, probably for you when you were in ministry and in college and all those things. And yeah, uh, it was just really cool. And it was fun to do that. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, it was a cool Sunday. It was very cool. It was cool to even before that, when Kate was talking with Terry, um, who was the wife of uh, the pastor who planted this church. um, She had mentioned that one of their habits was just, walking around Cheney mm-hmm. and praying for people's houses and right. praying for stories of faith. And that was 40 years ago. And it was cool as she asked Kate some questions like, Hey, who has come to faith and just stories. And Kate would mention yeah. people and she's like, where do they live? Yeah. And just the connections of like, maybe that was like one of the houses that, that we prayed they, around. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, said, Hey Lord, like we were praying by faith Yeah, that um, you're going to, you're going to show up in this person's life, whoever's going to live here, you know, because a lot of rentals in Cheney, so there's turnover, but it's just cool that um, just thinking through how much prayer has been already on this city and that we're continuing that. And that was one of your big themes is kind of our action points is let's be people of prayer for us. That's right. Go take prayer walks. Yeah. And put those people's addresses down that you have a heart to share the gospel with, and mm-hmm. go walk around their general area or mm-hmm. pray for them over a map. Like, um, there's something really cool and special, and I think powerful. Yeah. Um, when you put that action behind that, not just think about it. Oh yeah, I should pray for that person, but truly being like, I'm gonna go pray around their neighborhood, yeah. <laughs> and I'm gonna be intentional yeah. about that. I'm gonna intentionally yeah. go and pray and yeah, and just kind of. Uh, I, I always think about just my prayer circles that I've prayed around Cheney too, which mm-hmm. I was thinking is interesting that I've really had a passion to do that ever since I moved here. And I think it's because it's just the DNA of our church mm-hmm. and of the leadership yeah. is to pray and to, to pray prayer, mm-hmm. you know, around your city. And so I've done that a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
yeah, just to think that God's working yeah. inside that circle, yeah. right? He, yeah. This, you, you know, you kind of yeah. have a start and an end, and you connect mm-hmm. it, and you know, in this area, Lord, let, yeah. let your work be done, yep. and let your presence and power be yeah. seen. And I think that's good. Yeah, yeah, and I think God's gifted you with very long legs. Yeah, so you can that's you can <laughs> walk around that's the city true. in half like, the time uh, it takes me. <laughs> So that's also something that yeah, you have to that, that could be true. Yes, yes. <laughs> Your yeah, one step my, is my like four of my is steps. a little bit longer. <laughs> yes, that's, that is very true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you also on Sunday um, started into Romans chapter five. Yes. And yeah. um, you were kind of in verses one through 11. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to kind of take some of those key verses, but also go a little bit further into chapter five and just kind of unpack some of those yeah. deeper underlying things. And um, you'd mentioned one of the kind of the big key words theologically, but also that we use in our culture a lot. That's the word reconciliation. And so mm-hmm. um, it's really there in Romans 5.10 that, that it comes into play. Um, but I wanted just to quickly read from our scripture journal, which is the little kind of journal that we passed out to the, the church there's a little blurb about reconciliation as you're kind of in the section of Romans chapter 5. So I want to read a little bit of what they say um, of what the word reconciliation is. And it says this, the word reconciliation means change or exchange. But it's important to remember that true reconciliation involves a change in the attitudes of both parties who had been previously estranged or at odds. And I'm going to continue one more sentence. Through Christ, sinners are not left as beggars on the doorstep of heaven, hoping God will somehow open the door. Instead, his attitude towards those who believe has been wholly changed because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice. Yeah. So maybe just um, extend a little bit kind of on this thought about reconciliation and um, as you were kind of talking through it on Sunday a little bit, but um, what does this mean for us as believers how do we walk this out? And, and then maybe, I don't know if we want to even talk about this in our culture, reconciliation, but mm-hmm. I think most importantly, let's talk about the spiritual reconciliation we have with God. Yeah. So spiritual reconciliation is huge. I mean, it's it's one of the most important things that we need. Uh, I kind of mentioned that a little bit on Sunday that um, I think sometimes we, and I talked about it in the frame of mm-hmm. wanting peace. You know, we yeah. we so desire world peace, and we kind of completely ignore peace with God, mm-hmm. which is actually why we don't have world peace. Right. Um, when you take God out of the picture, you're never going to actually have true peace. You'll just mm-hmm. have a fake peace, and it'll yeah. just it'll last as long as till somebody gets angry again. Which, as we have witnessed in the Middle East, is maybe a year or two. Right. Um, and so, world peace is kind of it's kind of a pipe dream without um, acknowledging that I must have peace with God and I must allow peace and reconciliation to happen in my life and in my heart personally mm-hmm. with him before I can extend that mm-hmm. to someone else that hates me. Because mm-hmm. that's reality. If, if, you're, if we're really going to have reconciliation and peace with someone, then I have to recognize that I'm, I need to have that with someone that hates me. Mm-hmm. Well, how do I do that? Somebody's got to take that first step and say, mm-hmm. I'm not going to hate you back. I'm, I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not hating you anymore. And um, that only happens when Jesus changes your heart and changes your life and you mm-hmm. recognize that you can be reconciled and you change. You know, that's kind of the point of this little blurb mm-hmm. we read. You, you change. Um, and I think it's interesting 
that uh, I think one of the things that Paul is talking about is for us, we do need to change. And we get this option of change because we've seen all that God has done. Mm -hmm. You know, when we begin to see all of the amazing things that Jesus has done, it's like, oh, yeah, this totally motivates me to change. I want to change. I recognize I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, Mm -hmm. and I want to change for him. And I can change because I'm completely forgiven. I can change because there's nothing holding me back. I'm not dragging a ball and chain behind me. I literally can change my life. And Jesus, his power and the Holy Spirit's power in my life as I daily submit my life to him, as I open the Bible and read it and study it and begin to let it change me from the inside out, um, because the Bible is a living document. It's not just words on a page. It's it's living. It's active, First Timothy says, and it cuts right to bone and marrow. It changes my heart. It changes my life. And so that happens with God's word. And I, I love that, that idea of um, just the change of attitude in both parties that were previously estranged. Now, I think that's true reconciliation. Um, I'm not sure we always see that in our culture, but I think we see it in God's word because we were enemies of God. Like that's what we decided. That's what we, that's what we decide with our actions, with our attitudes, with our philosophy of life. Um, and sometimes maybe we don't even think, well, I didn't really say that. That's not what I meant. Well, it is what you mean when you say, I don't, I don't follow you. Uh, I don't believe you're my savior. I don't obey your word. And I'm not doing anything that mm-hmm. manifests to anyone that I want to follow you. Or I just continue to make decisions that I know are wrong. Mm-hmm. Like what Paul would say with the Jewish culture, you know what's wrong and right. you don't follow it. The Gentiles don't even know what's wrong, yet they follow it. Um, so I think there's that challenge that we we choose to make God our enemy. But we see in Scripture, he's always been pursuing us. He's always been looking for that moment of reconciliation when mm-hmm. Jesus would come. And his attitude has always been one of love, and grace and faithfulness. And it's interesting, when you read the Old Testament, you might look at moments in the Old Testament and think, gosh, it looks like God is so harsh here. But what we don't realize is God was patient for hundreds of years Mm -hmm. where he did nothing, just hoping that we would change, hoping that our attitude would change, hoping that as we saw him model love to us, as we watched him reach out to us and give us what we need and Mm -hmm. provide for us and do all that, that we would acknowledge him. Mm -hmm. But instead we go our own way and we make ourselves an enemy of God. Now God doesn't really make uh, himself an enemy of ours because he's always reaching out. He's Mm -hmm. always wanting to be reconciled, wanting to love and wanting to be gracious and faithful and kind. Um, and so that's a challenge. And then Jesus is the ultimate of that. We see, you know, even all the way back to Genesis three, God says, even though you've made a mistake and you're done being in the garden, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to make a way. My son's going to come and he's going to reconcile all of this, everything that's gotten messed up. He's going to reconcile all of it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, um, the snake crusher. That's right, the snake crusher. <laughs> yeah, and so I think that that's really important, and I, I like that. You know, our attitude can change because of Jesus Christ's mm-hmm. sacrifice, and it needs to, because if we want to move forward and live for Him daily, 
then mm-hmm. our attitude will need to change. Yeah, I think that's a huge, um, I think, just, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, oh my gosh, I'm losing my words right now. But I think just that um, description that God is not enemies of us, like looking to kill us. No. Because I think sometimes when we read through a verse, like in Romans 3.10 or mm-hmm. 5.10, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him. Sometimes you think, whoa, we're God's enemies? Like, he wants to kill us? Like, are we, like, at war and all these things? You think, like, this this perspective of, like, God's just this big bully wanting to, like, mm-hmm. just pound us into the ground. And <laughs> yeah. It's really, like, us yeah, that created yeah. the, the, the injuncture, um, so to speak, that, like, we're at enemies of God because of mm-hmm. what I've, what for what we have done. Right. And he's communicating our attitude, not God's mm-hmm. attitude. We right. were enemies of God. Yep. So we chose in our mind, mm-hmm. in our heart, in our actions to say, I don't want God. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So I think that's a good just separation of that, where sometimes you can read through that and be like, ah, mm-hmm. Because like we're going to get into Romans chapter 8, um, like you mentioned before, like there's nothing that will separate us from God's love. Right. He is always pursuing. He is always the one that is active towards us. Mm-hmm. But through Christ, our attitude does change. And yes. that's where we can then come mutually, those two parties, and like have a perspective change and be like, okay, we are reconciled. Mm-hmm. We are now friends with God again. Right. Um, we are no longer the one that is the enemy of God from our own doing, but now we are friends with God. And that's yeah. a huge, huge difference. It is a huge and difference. And then from there, the response out of that is peace. <laughs> yes. And that's where the true peace yeah. comes. Not getting peace within people through diplomatic ways because mm-hmm. that just fails yeah. over time. Yeah. But getting peace spiritually and then out of the out of that response, there's a physical peace that then can be offered in a more holistic way. Right. Um, as people, as 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 humanity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um also just a further a little bit down in I think it's is it in verse eleven? Uh, no, I think it's a little bit later. Oh, it was up above, um, in verse six in the NIV, it says, uh, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Um, in the NLT, it says a little bit differently. It says that when we are utterly helpless, mm-hmm. um, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious, just like get some thoughts on what does that mean? in what Paul is saying in Romans 5, 6, that we were powerless or that we were helpless mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to just this concept of salvation and all those things. Yeah, that's good. Uh, well, first of all, it means that there's nothing we can do about it. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing that I can do as a human to make myself saved. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, we're born into sin, mm-hmm. so I'm already at a place where... Uh, heaven is not open to me because of my sin. So I, I must, I need a way mm-hmm. to get it open to me because I'm powerless to open the gate. Let's mm-hmm. say that it's, to use a physical illustration, it's like a gate. I got to get in. Well, I can't open it. It's, it's not open to me. But in Christ, I, I now it's open to me. Mm-hmm. I, I can get in the gate. Um, I have a ticket to get in. <laughs> Right. Whereas before I didn't have a ticket to get in. So the bouncer's mm-hmm. kicking me out. Right. Because no, you don't get in. You don't have a ticket. And you're like, well, how do I get a ticket? Well, it's simple. It's free. Like you just need to believe in Jesus. It's a free ticket. 
But if you didn't do what was the simplest thing in the world to just get a free ticket, that's how easy it is now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's literally that easy. Mm-hmm. I don't, you don't even have to buy the ticket, but you do have to surrender and you do have to choose Jesus. And that's maybe that's even harder than buying a ticket, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It might be easy to just go slap some money down and say, I want to go to heaven. But if I, if I have to slap my life down and say, no, I'm going to surrender everything, my thoughts, my ideas, my way of life, my way mm-hmm. of living, the way that I think about living, uh, am I really going to stop conforming to the world, to the pattern of this world, mm-hmm. and, and be transformed by the renewing of my mind and live God's good and pleasing and perfect will for my life? Or am I just going to say, no, uh, I'm going to keep doing whatever I want to do? Mm-hmm. There is a change. There is a, there is an attitude that says, no, I'm... I'm a son or daughter of the king now. I live differently. And so there is that. But we were powerless. Uh, somebody once said it like this, and I think it's great. Um, um, if we imagined, um, you know, how, how salvation works and how this idea of getting to heaven works, and we think it's like jumping to the moon. <laughs> You're like... Well, no one can jump to the moon. Well, does it really matter whether I'm somebody like me who can't jump very high or I'm somebody like Michael Jordan who can jump very high? Doesn't matter. We're trying to jump to the moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's we, all of us are completely powerless to jump to the moon. Mm-hmm. But in Christ, it's, you know, he would give us the ability to jump to the moon. Mm-hmm. That's like what getting to heaven is. Like Without Christ, I mean, there's no way to get in. You -hmm. can't get in. But with Jesus, I can get in because of Mm -hmm. what he's done for me. And I love that part, you know, at just the right time, because we're all powerless. And at just the right time, God meets us in our life and says, do you want me? Do you want a relationship Mm -hmm. with me? And that uh, I'm going to, I'm pursuing you. Mm -hmm. And I hope you would want to be in relationship with me. God always does things at just the right time. And mm-hmm. I think it's good that he died for us because we were ungodly. We didn't mm-hmm. want to live for him. We wanted to live our own way. And so um, that, that's what he does. He dies for the, the powerless and helps us mm-hmm. with everything that we need uh, to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that's like you were saying, that's a hard concept, I think, even in our American culture. Because mm-hmm. we are built up to be powerful people. Yes. And we yep. conquer. We are the ones that own and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And very so, independent. Yeah. And so we're to say that we're powerless mind. is yeah. not an easy thing to say. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm just kind of off the cuff too, just thinking as we were talking through this. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the acknowledgement. So obviously in Romans 10, 9, confess with your mouth, believe yeah. in your heart. Jesus Christ died and rose again and he's your Lord and Savior. So there's a part of acknowledgement yes. um, that we have to confess. Yeah. Some might say, like, that's still not in our power to confess that. Yeah. Some might say, no, like, like you have to just acknowledge, like, through your own ability that that is true. Um, this is kind of going down those theological roads We're and going stuff. down a rabbit trail. But yeah, like, that's good. But what, how does that kind of play into this um, when it comes to just a person confessing? And saying yes to Jesus, I believe He is my Lord and Savior. Yeah. In my heart, I'm confessing mm-hmm. it that He rose again from the grave. Um, is that in a person's power to do to do that, or is it like the Holy Spirit, like doing that through them? Yeah, 
I, guess I think it's totally in our power. Um, I mm-hmm. think that's what free will is. Mm-hmm. I think that's what created in the image of God is. Yeah. Um, it's that God was saying when he created humans, mm-hmm. mankind, you are different than everything else. When you go back to the Genesis account, here's, here's what God is clearly without any um, gray area, I would say, yeah. <laughs> communicating. Look at everything I've created for five days. Everything. None of this has choice. Not a single thing has choice. The sun doesn't have a choice. The moon doesn't have a choice. The mountains, the rivers, the plants, the animals, nothing has choice. Mm -hmm. But he creates us, and we're created in the image of God. And what do we have? We have Mm -hmm. choice. We have something totally different. And by the way, that's why the trees are put in the garden. Mm -hmm. Because God's saying... Um, in that choice, I also have to allow you to have that choice. Mm -hmm. And that means even in the garden, when you're perfect, Mm -hmm. I have to give you choice about whether you want relationship with me or not. Now we chose not Mm -hmm. right. Adam and Eve chose not, we don't want, we, we want to disobey you and we want to, we want to do it on our own. And, um, and we still have that choice. That's what's interesting. We yeah. still have the exact same choice that Adam and Eve have in the garden. Mm-hmm. We still have that exact same choice today, especially if you know who Jesus is and you choose not to live for him. Mm-hmm. You know where to get eternal life. You know where to get love and joy and peace and kindness and good. You know that it's in Christ. And if you choose not to be in Christ, you're choosing not to not to be in mm-hmm. relationship with God the Father uh, and not to have your eternal life, you're seeking eternal death instead of eternal mm-hmm. life. So I, th- I totally believe that we do have yeah. that choice yeah. and that we do have to say, I confess. Mm-hmm. Like, here's what's interesting. In Romans and all throughout a lot of Paul's letters and all of the New Testament writers, we see those words a lot, confess and the word believe mm-hmm. a lot. Why? Because I have to choose to believe. Mm-hmm. I have to choose to say, Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord, and from this day forward, I'm going to live for him. Paul uses the phrase often in many of his letters, if you continue in your faith, mm-hmm. you'll, be, you'll be firm and secure, and you'll have a hope that's everlasting. Like He'll say things like that, mm-hmm. and you're like, what do you mean if I continue? Because I still have to believe today. Like I said yes to Jesus 25 years ago, but I got to say yes to Jesus today too because this world is crazy Mm -hmm. and it's trying every moment of the day in all of its concepts and philosophies of life Mm -hmm. to pull me away from Christ. And so I have to choose every single day to say, no, I'm going to choose to live for Jesus and for what he has for me, what he has for my finances, what he has for my sexual life, what he has for my marriage, what he has for my parenting, what all of this, mm-hmm. you know, it all, and our world is saying, no, I've got a different idea for you. The enemy of our soul says, I got a different way for you to live. And so we're always challenged with that battle of, am I still choosing to say yes to Jesus all the time? And the answer is yes, I have a choice. Mm-hmm. I get to choose that. Yeah. That's and God, good. it's interesting that God will never violate that either. Mm. He won't violate that choice. He'll continue to love us, pursue us, show us the Holy Spirit. So when we see verses like the, you know, the heavenly father pursuing us, the Holy Spirit pursuing us, that's because he's just, he's putting love in front of us. Mm -hmm. He's putting Jesus in front of us. It's, it's kind of like a road sign, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can get off here and choose Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, or you can keep going down the road. That's your choice. But yeah, there's, there's Mm -hmm. what you, what you need is on this off ramp. Right. 
Right. And, and here's a sign to show you that it's there. And mm-hmm. what's crazy, I mean, if you think about like driving in a car, this would be a good illustration, right? I need gas, right? I got to keep going. I need to get, well, there's, there's a gas station. You see a sign, there's a gas station on that off ramp. And you say, man, nah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can make it further. Like, well, that's not what you need. And you go to the next one and there's a sign for a gas station. Like, dude, get off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we do that we, in our selfishness and in our pride and in our um, saying, I just want to do life my way. We say, I don't want to get off. Mm-hmm. I'm, I want to keep doing it my way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good because it's, it's, it's always the acknowledgement that, yeah, we are powerless. Right. We are helpless. Yeah. But we have to acknowledge that. We do. And we have to step forward and saying, like, I need Jesus. I need his Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's us still acknowledging out of our free will. Yes. Um, those truths that we need. Yeah. That's good. Well, it kind of goes into the rest of chapter five. Um, we kind of even mentioned this. Um, Paul goes into this back and forth with Adam and Christ. So Adam, the Adam and Eve of the very, very beginning, that death really came through Adam. Yeah. But life came through Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, I think there's a, one significant thing that we have to just maybe mention at the top is, is why is it that Paul uses Adam when we read the Genesis account. It's like Eve is the one who like right. ate the fruit, and we're like, "Hey, isn't it?" And gives fault? it to Adam, you yeah. know. But yet, like, there's this part where Paul is kind of not switching the fault, mm-hmm. but rightly putting the fault on Adam. And so, so why is that mm-hmm. that that Paul is making that clear? You know, it's that's a good question, and um, I think the the answer that I can think of. Uh, just off the top of my head, is that the, the way thing God has kind of established things with relationship with man and woman is um, that man is the leader. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you're supposed to be the spiritual leader. And Adam didn't do that. Right. He didn't step up and be the spiritual leader. He chose to follow and to do the wrong thing. And so as a result of his lack of leadership mm-hmm. and lack of spiritual leadership to lead his wife and to lead himself, um, sin into the world. Mm-hmm. And so in a way it's kind of Adam anyway, mm-hmm. if you backdoor it, right. It's kind of Adam's fault anyway, because he didn't, um, say to Eve, Hey, wait a second, don't eat that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is, there is, uh, some theological, weight to that like there's always a question you know was he standing there while this whole thing was happening and he just didn't say anything or did she bring him fruit you know it's Mm -hmm. maybe a little gray but if he's standing there and he's watching this whole thing take place Mm -hmm. and he says and does nothing then it's on him too Mm -hmm. and it's maybe on him more because he should have stood up and led because he was the one who heard god say don't eat of the tree he had to he had to lead and communicate that to Eve. Eve didn't hear it directly. Adam mm-hmm. heard it directly. So um, he he could have been and should have been the one to step up and say, "Hey, whoa, honey, we're not listening to that snake. Mm-hmm. Um, put that fruit down yeah. and let's go. There's actually there's about four hundred trees right over here that are just as good as this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so." Uh, I think that that's why it really kind of focuses on Adam Mm -hmm. is that in the end um, it is not that Eve has no responsibility in it, Mm -hmm. 
but that Adam has maybe a, a little bit more responsibility in it because he should have led better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so I think one of the cool parts in this section that Paul gets into, and obviously we'll talk a little bit more about the truth of Christ's role in this, but in, in verse 14 of chapter 5, it says, Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. So Paul is again setting up this standard that the law is not yeah, essential. That's correct. But people yep. still were dead mm-hmm. even without the law yeah. in this whole entire process because mm-hmm. Adam knew right from wrong. Correct. And he was the one who initially sinned. Right. And from there it just has spilled out. And even reading into like Genesis 6, it got real bad. It got real bad. Like worse yeah. than even what we're experiencing. I mean, yeah. so bad that God wanted to wipe the entire world away. Yeah. Um, and that's that's bad stuff. Yeah, the, the verse that always just is like crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Every inclination of every person's heart yeah. was evil all the time. Yeah. Wow. 24-7, 365. <laughs> that is, I mean, shocking. And yeah. maybe there was less people on the earth. That's fine. But we, I don't think we still have that today. I mean, there's still millions, hundreds of millions of good yeah, people, sure. but every single person to only be yeah. thinking about evil all the time yeah. is a pretty crazy place to be. Yep, yep. And so Paul really sets up that like evil and sin has always been now prevalent because yeah. death has been prevalent yes. within life. But he, got, he starts to go into um, the opposite side. Of right. Christ's obedience. So we have Adam's disobedience. Correct. Led to the death for all humanity. Yeah. But now Christ's obedience leads to life right. for humanity. For those who say yes to him and, 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 and acknowledge that truth. But what's what's so significant about this section of scripture that Paul yeah. is talking about? Well, I think for me it's, it's down in verse 18 and 19. Mm-hmm. That consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people. So also one righteous act Mm -hmm. resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what Jesus did. And that's what he wanted to do. He wanted his action and his death and resurrection on the cross to help us see that his righteousness Mm -hmm. can make life possible for us. And there's that word again, justification, right? Mm -hmm. It's scattered throughout the book of Romans, just as if I've never sinned. Jesus is taking care of the problem. He's wiping the problem away completely and totally gone. And when the problem is out of the way, then that means life is possible for me. Because before it wasn't. Mm -hmm. When I'm stuck in my sin... Uh, death is the only mm-hmm. possible scenario for yeah. me, which, by the way, is the reason that God kicks humanity out of the garden. Mm-hmm. Had we um, now know the knowledge of good and evil, there was one other tree in the garden, and that was the tree of life. The reason that God removes us from the garden is so that we're not stuck in eternal death. If we had been able to eat of the other tree, the tree of life, or the tree that would continue to propagate that our sin, um, then we would be stuck. We'd be stuck in eternal death forever, and and mm-hmm. there'd be there would be no hope for mankind because the spiritual laws. I think sometimes we don't understand this. 
spiritual laws are as powerful as physical laws. And sometimes we don't acknowledge that because we, well, for one, because we're very scientifically, physically based culture. But had God not removed us, we would have been stuck in a spiritual law that would have not allowed him to ever rescue us. Mm -hmm. And so he removes us from the garden because the one trespass would continue to bring death. But God knew if I remove you, then I can, I can fix it later. Mm -hmm. I can't fix something that's unfixable because I've already put a law in place that would make it unfixable. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to remove mankind they're still going to have their free will and their choice, but now I'm I'm going to send Jesus, my son, and he's going to do something so righteous mm -hmm. that it will be able to reverse every all of the curse. Mm -hmm. All of the curse of sin can be completely reversed because of what Jesus has done. And so when you and I say yes to Jesus and are obedient to him, we receive life, mm -hmm. eternal life, and we get to live in that. It's just as if we've never sinned. That's the word justification. And you and I get to continue to live in the obedience of Jesus Christ because his obedience is what reconciles us, forgives us, and makes us right with God. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff. Cool. I think, I think we're going to end right there. That's, yeah. that's a good ending. Yeah. Um, and so this next upcoming couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be in Romans 6, 7, and 8 and kind of maybe do a couple of combo longer episodes because it's kind of a general big theme of what you guys are preaching through on Sunday. Um, so I think Kate's preaching this Sunday. She's going to kind of use a couple of things from those chapters. Right. And so we'll kind of just start picking some of those up and, and unpacking them. So yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll be good stuff. So it will be cool. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's it for the day. All right, everyone have yeah. a great week. All right. See ya. <laughs>